Because you know it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear, we're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought. Burn it. Whoops, start again. <laughs> we have a little mic problem here. So, anyway, welcome to the good afternoon and welcome to the Water Zone show. I'm co host Rob Starr. Uh, our other co host, Mr. Mike Barron, is off today, but he, I'm sure he's listening and might call in because we have some really good guests. Um, as everybody knows, today is our micro irrigation day. And we talk about uh, Ag World and things that's happening in, in, in that business. And uh, we're very excited to have some really, really, really good guests. And uh, anyway, I, I do want to welcome Brandon. He's our new board engineer, and he did not make that mistake. I did. I didn't have the mic on. That was my fault. I didn't turn the switch on. I was too busy uh, trying to direct. Anyway, uh, it's a great afternoon. Uh, you're listening on KCA 1050 AM, 106.5 FM. And for those of you who really want to call in and talk to some of our guests and ask us questions and try to stump us, uh, the local number is 909-888-5222. And if you're calling outside the 909 area code, it's 888-909-1050. And uh, we welcome anybody to call in and ask some questions. And uh, it's pretty interesting the things that we learn. And as everybody knows, once a month, uh, uh, we do an act show, and we bring in our uh, uh, great staff from the Toro Micro Irrigation Division, and it's Miss Ingi Bisconer and Paul McFadden. And Ingi and Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for uh, the, the nice, uh, nice introduction. We appreciate that. And I see you guys do have your microphone on, so <laughs> you don't have that problem. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we do have a couple of great guests tonight. We're uh, really looking forward to visiting with them, especially after such a a hot week here in California, and uh, uh, agriculture continuing to grow all those crops that uh, we need for food, fuel, and fiber. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, Paul's going to introduce our first guest. Is Nancy on the line? Yes, she is. Okay, wonderful. Well, Paul, take her. Nancy, welcome to uh, the Water Zone. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Uh, let me, uh, if I might, just uh, introduce you with the, the, the bio that you uh, uh, prepared, and, and then we'll jump right into some uh, uh, captivating questions that our listening audience can't wait to hear. So uh, Nancy is a section, or excuse me, a sector navigator. We'll uh, get to more uh, uh, into that uh, in, uh, in a bit. For Agriculture, Water, and, and Environmental Technology, through the Doing What Matters initiative of the California Community College Chancellor's Office. This is hosted through the Ag and Natural Resources Department at Reedley College. She serves statewide faculty, students, industry to advance education and training in agriculture and our natural resources. She was previously the program coordinator for the California Foundation for Agriculture in the Classroom. 
that's a mouthful. Thank you uh, for being with us, Nancy. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. So before, let's uh, uh, kind of, to, as part of the introduction, explain a little bit about the program, the, the Sector Navigator for Ag, Water, and Environmental uh, Technology. What exactly is, is that? Um, you know, basically it's it's kind of being a, a statewide lead or facilitator um, for just a variety of projects and, and programs um, that will benefit students and teachers um, and colleges and so hopefully industry in ag and natural resources. So we, we do a variety of things from providing professional development for teachers um, to providing, um, you know, career awareness and, and leadership development for students. Um, we help to facilitate curriculum development and this our faculty, you know, getting to work together and, and working on things like that, um, which can be, you know, it's a big state. There's a lot of colleges, and so so it's it's really about uh, having a, that one person in the state that that tries to get keep everyone connected um, and make sure you know we're all on the same page and kind of moving in the same direction. And and so um, and luckily, I have a lot of help with the you know the teachers in our state are great. Um, our faculty at the community colleges as well as deans. So, so it's a, it's a variety of things, definitely, but that's kind of basically what it is. Well, that sounds like a, a quite a quite a load. How many community colleges are there in the state of California? We, there's 113 total colleges, um, but in terms of uh, colleges that award degrees and certificates in ag and natural resources, there are about 60. But it is increasing. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that. Um that sounds like uh, a little like herding cats. That's a, that's a, yeah. that's a lot of, te- that's a lot of teachers to, to keep on the same page, but um, from what I've heard and observed, you're doing a great job of that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, uh, how you became an ag teacher and, and a leader in um, uh, leading other teachers in the, in the ag and water uh, education community? Yeah, and, and, you know, I would say I'm technically an ag teacher. I, I'm really, you know, my my main, why I was hired at Reedley was to kind of facilitate this whole thing. I do get the opportunity to teach, which is great, but it's, you know, careers classes. And so, um, but I, um, from the Central Valley, I was really involved in agriculture and SSA programs in high school and knew I wanted to kind of go into that area. I went to Fresno State, but um, majored in uh, ag education and communications and then um, started working for the Farm Bureau. Um, Ag in the Classroom uh, uh, program and, you know, coordinated some programs there and then uh, after that was able to um, get a job here at Reedley College. It was about eight years ago that I started here at Reedley, um, you know, facilitating this statewide program. So for those who are less familiar, where where exactly is Reedley College and kind of what is, what is its uh, focus? Yeah, Reedley College is uh, located in Fresno County, so we're about, I don't know, 20 minutes kind of southeast of, of Fresno, maybe 30 minutes southeast of Fresno. Um, very rural, have a lot of stone fruit, um, and so I am actually live in Kingsburg, which is um, right there as well, but kind of a sm- couple of just smaller towns in Fresno County. And Reedley College is, um, I, you know, a, a, we've got a, a great program, a smaller college, but we offer um, uh Degrees in all kind of all of the disciplines: forestry, natural resources, ag, business, plant science, animal science, um, and uh, so uh, it's a, a great place to work and and really good students and you know trying to do some good stuff for agriculture. 
Well, Nancy, uh, as you and I have visited, I'm from that area as well, from Tulare. I hail from Tulare, from a farm family there as well. So we all we know that that is in the heart of, of California's agricultural um, uh, production center. Um, yeah. Just thousands and thousands of, of acres, uh, uh, irrigated acres and even non-irrigated acres. Mm-hmm. In spite of that, in spite of you being in the heart of California's ag land, we've, we've heard that there are too few students entering production agriculture after graduation. Is, is that true? And if so, um, how is the community college system addressing that issue? Yeah, it is, and it's it's really unfortunate. I was talking, um, you know, in, in the position that I'm in, I get to kind of meet with and talk to and kind of work with a variety of different people in, in different areas. Um, but, you know, in so we have our high school agriculture programs, and, and at the moment there's about 80,000 high school students that are taking um, agriculture classes in high school. But then when you go to the community college level, we have about 15, maybe 17,000 students that are taking courses. And granted, not everybody goes to a community college, some go to a, a CSU and major in agriculture, but those numbers are even smaller than the community college numbers. And so, um, yeah, for, you know, uh, there's been a few articles that have come out that basically say, and, and a lot of our data shows that for every, you know, student uh, that graduates with an ag degree, there's, you know, 10 jobs or more available. So there's definitely more jobs than students that are, are graduating. And and it's hard to, it's something that is uh, much more complicated. It's, it's not something that you can easily answer like, oh, this must be the reason. But uh, the community colleges um, are definitely working to try to um, work on, you know, providing incentive for students. So, I mean, they definitely, we've, we do, a, a lot of our colleges do a lot of recruiting um, in general from high schools to, um, you know, talk to them about the different jobs that there are in ag. And, um, but, you know, there's, as far as colleges go, their uh, main focus is not marketing. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we have these great programs and we have these great opportunities, but, you know, we definitely don't have, have the budget to, to promote as well as we could. So a lot of the programs kind of do it on their own locally to, to recruit students, but, um, but really, that's part of what what I and and we I actually there's also um, a part of this doing what matters framework. We have regional representatives, and they're called deputy sector navigators. And so myself and and the agriculture um, DSNs is the acronym we use. Um, a, a big part of what we try to do is develop um, promotional materials, and I've, we've actually done it in um, irrigation. Kind of created a few brochures and rack cards and things to provide to high schools as well as community colleges, because even our community college students don't know about all the jobs that are out there um, to to really promote um, careers we we kind of think that a big part of the problem is is understanding what careers there are out there and I remember having the same problem when I was in high school I thought I could become an ag teacher or a veterinarian that was in high school like kind of the thing that I thought and so students just don't and even you know I would say I still don't have a, a grasp on all the different jobs that there are out there, especially if you think about all the different disciplines, right? So, I mean, you, there's plant science, but obviously you can you work in a variety of different areas within the plant science field. Um, and so, so it's kind of a lack of awareness and understanding of the jobs that you can go into and that they're very high-paying jobs. I think, unfortunately, there's this 
um, this perception that the jobs in agriculture aren't high paying and, and people just don't realize that, especially in California, like it's an enormous industry with a great, great career opportunity and, and, um, really good, um, wages. So, um, so that I, you know, I think, um, that the, that's kind of the reason there are too few students and, and part of what, what in the, you know, myself and, and other people that are regional representatives are trying to do is really um, provide this kind of background information to teachers, to college programs, so that they can show students, no, you can absolutely have a great career in this area. Um, that's a, it's fascinating. I was at a, a conference uh, two weeks ago in Salinas, a technology conference, and the, the number one issue that growers and producers and, and uh, packers and shippers discussed was the lack of labor. Uh, mm-hmm. it's one, uh, one facility was a packing and processing facility where the, um, the, the group had uh, 14,000 employees, and the average age in the packing facility, processing facility, the lab, uh, working on all the robotics and all, the, uh, all of the uh, processing to uh, bag uh, produce, the average age was 46 years old in the plant. And wow. so they're, they're frantically trying to figure out how they can bring the next generation in because the pay and the benefits were quite good, actually. But there, there's, a, there's this frantic uh, uh, thing right now in ag that's saying labor, 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 and, and which surprised me. You know, it being as we're on the water zone, I thought it was... Uh, uh, more comments were going to be made about the water or lack of water, uh, and, and certainly that was brought up. But labor right now is the biggest issue. So, uh, mm-hmm. you're, I think you're, you're, what you're doing, Nancy, is, is invaluable for for not only uh, uh, the the students, but for all of the rest of us in the state of California. Yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely trying, and uh, and you know, it, it helps when, especially. I mean, the you know, irrigation industry has been fantastic because you know what what we need is is to make that connection with industry to say, okay, you're the ones that know what what jobs you guys have and and what um, you know the the salary and the benefits and how great these jobs are. When so you know, let us know what it is. It's you know, it's it's kind of making that connection. So we're definitely trying. <laughs> Yeah, well, at the same time that there's a lack of labor, there's also what, what I what I have said is there's a tsunami of technology in right. agriculture now, and so some of it will eliminate some of that labor. But on the other hand, it's creating the demand for um, skilled, you know, higher technology. higher technology and skilled labor, which um, I am I'm assuming uh, you're providing that those, those skill sets at the community college level. It, you know, it's not necessarily in need of a four or six or eight year degree, a two year degree, I think could help fill many of these needs. Right, right, and that's yeah, that, and that's kind of the point of of uh, the whole doing what matters thing. Is is um, you know it, it also provided some funding regionally to different colleges 
because you know it's hard. You know, a college is a still a, a public institution, and um, and so all the you know the money we have is taxpayer money, and so we have to. There's a lot of of backup that you know these teachers have to prove that these um, you know skills that they're they're providing are important. So to start something new is very hard, and so what we're trying to do is you know provide some additional funding that says okay, so there's no risk. Yeah, let's let's try to you know provide this you know little training here. You know, do a semester of training, or if it's shorter than that, and see if it's something that after someone you know gains these additional skills, are they getting jobs? Because that's that's kind of what they're held accountable to. Is all right? You want to start training, you know, in this area or teach people these skills, but if if in the end they're not getting jobs, then you know you've wasted money and stuff. So so it's it's a little bit it's you know there's um, it's a little more complicated than let's just try something new. They've, there's a, a lot that they're kind of held accountable for. Um, but yeah, and and there's a lot going on, so we're definitely trying. But yeah, we we need a lot more. We need more people too that are interested in in, in uh, even teaching at uh, our local community colleges. We've got a lot of teachers who you know in the water area and irrigation um, who who would love to have you know help from industry of like teaching a course or two. So if anyone out there listening is interested. <laughs> <laughs> You're hiring. Yeah, yeah. Contact your local community college. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's excellent. We, I, I completely agree. I know Ingie has taught uh, classes at the local uh, junior college, oh, community college here uh, here locally. So, yeah, we've also done some uh, training. I think Paul was going to ask you about that. Uh, the the IA Faculty Academy, where industry uh, came in and helped. Help train the trainers, really. Yeah, that was the co-hosted with the California Ag Irrigation Association as well as the national organization, the Irrigation Association, that helps college, junior colleges or community college connect with uh, curriculum students and jobs. And I know you played a, an important role in that. Would you mind kind of uh, uh, unpacking that a little bit for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. I, this is, you know, one of the greatest things that we've come across. Um, you know, it's it's basically industry providing, a, you know, a, a training event. Um, and it was a, a two days for um, our, our teachers that went through it um, this it, last year, and I think the same for this this year that um, they just did in June. But you know, to have industry come in and and train our educators and and provide them with the most up to date in um, you know technology and and uh, products and and practices. Uh, in the industry is exactly what we need and, and definitely something that I would love other areas of industry to do. You know, we we work well with um, the Association of Pest Control Advisors. They've got some great stuff too, but really it's been kind of the Irrigation Association and, and CAPCA that have have really connected with education. But the, the faculty academies have just been perfect because the teachers actually take home, uh, you know, PowerPoints and uh, materials for their classroom, and even you know they were provided some kits and and different things that they could use in the classroom, and I mean that's that's perfect, and that's what student that's what teachers are want absolutely looking for. So that was, gosh, when I heard about that, it was like a godsend. That was fantastic, and you know we definitely um, within our own kind of ranks, teachers work together to you know to share what new things that that people are doing. But when we actually have industry that says, oh no, we can put on a training for teachers so that they can, you know, modify courses or, um, you know, um, add to add to courses. That's that's fantastic. It was a, that was really great. That that moves around the state. If I remember, it was in San Luis Obispo and it was at Fresno and 
Is that uh, is that kind of the plan so that you can uh, more teachers can attend from those different geographic areas? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be great. I, I think I don't know if the San Luis Obispo event was the first time they had done it in California, but I I think it usually um, maybe did, wasn't consistently in California, and so um, yeah, I mean, it, it, moving moving that around the state would be great. You know, it's we've got a, a lot of teachers and in Southern California, and, and we've got a lot of teachers actually in Northern California, so so making it easier for, for our instructors to get to these events is great. Um, and uh, so I, that, I, I hope that it does um, occur that way. That would be fantastic. Well, as uh, I, in full disclosure, uh, I'm the, the past president of the California Ag Irrigation Association, so oh. uh, I could put in a plug for... Uh, for the California group to uh, move that around the state, if you if you like, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So you basically leave those uh, academies with a handful of teaching materials, so that you can offer curriculum that maybe you weren't offering before. Is that um, a correct assumption that you weren't I mean, teaching topics until you really had the curriculum? Definitely. You know um, the. Uh, I believe both of the academies, and, and definitely the first one when it was held in Cal Poly, it was actually um, held in conjunction with our California Ag Teachers Association conference. So it occurred right after the conference. So we had both high school and community college teachers there. So there were some high school teachers who, you know, um, hadn't done a lot of uh, irrigation curriculum in um, in their classroom. And so, you know, took what they learned there to start something new. And then, you know, for the teachers that are teaching, it's, it's an opportunity to to see what some new practices are and, and, and change up kind of what they're doing and improve on it in that way. But, but yeah, I mean, um, it, you know, it's one of, the, it was, it's a great, it's great because it, it's, it's not just something where you go and listen and, and, um, you know, take your own notes. I mean, you are, they're given a PDF or not a PDF, but the, all the PowerPoints, they, they're, you know, given a flash drive that has everything that they've got so that they can actually take it and kind of plug it right into their classroom. So it's great. Yeah, I remember uh, distributing a link to, to a bunch of materials, and, you know, several of the teachers did respond back and, and um, um, thank the industry for, for helping. So it's a great example of industry and, and academia, you know, uh, the learning centers uh, cooperating. So what what's your greatest remaining challenge uh, uh, going forward at, in, in, you know, your particular responsibilities in Reedley? Um. <laughs> Uh, man, I, that was, that is a hard one. Um, um, we're top three. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. So I definitely too is, uh, uh, I, I think, de- you know, definitely the greatest challenge is, is providing, uh, our, not just our students, but also, um, other people in education who are outside of agriculture, um, w- like helping them to understand, the jobs that there are out there, we unfortunately, um, you know, again, I, I mentioned that our colleges have to prove that there are jobs and that's why we need to provide, you know, this education and training. And uh, we can um, glean labor market information from different government agencies and all of that information is terrible. It, it makes it look as if there's not um Jobs out there, and of course, we all know that there are, and and that and that there's jobs that need to be filled, and people are retiring, and so I th- I would say the biggest challenge is 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 just that is like getting people to understand that there are great jobs in agriculture. It's it's not just working in a field. That's a, a big um, 
you know, misunderstanding um, or perception that it's just people doing field work and that's, you know, that it's, there's a lot of support um, jobs in agriculture related to different things and, um, and, and that, uh, and that it's important to um, the state that this is a huge economic driver for our state and, and for us to not have, I mean, to have 60 community colleges offering ag and natural resources programs out of 113, I think I think we should have 113 colleges, you know, providing education. Yeah. Um, and so I think I, I would say that it's you know just getting that education out there that this is a very viable industry to go to work in, um, and 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 what what the different areas are. Okay, well, uh, so it's an awareness problem that uh, there's great jobs in agriculture, and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. There's technology; it's going really high tech. And hopefully our listening audience of uh, millions of people in Southern California and, and maybe beyond will have heard that and uh, can help get your message out. Definitely. I hope so. Hi, Nancy. So, this this is Rob. I have a quick question. Then we have a caller. As, oh, okay. I, as I accurately predicted, Mr. Mike Barron is going to call in and ask a question. But uh, I was watching a show the other day on, on PBS, an old show with Yule Hauser, if we all remember him. Yeah. And he talked about, which I never heard the term, and I've lived here since the 60s stone fruit now uh-huh. i know i now i now know what that means maybe you can describe that for our audience some of the people might not know what that term means oh yeah stone so stone fruit it, it basically i'm pretty sure i i feel like i am not exactly the expert but it's you know it's the the fruit that have a, a pit in the center so your peaches plums and nectarines are usually referred to as stone fruit Right, and there's a special area up up near Fresno that uh, it's almost like a wine trail that people can go from village to village and see the different uh, uh, farms that have the the stone fruit. Yes, yeah, I think uh, it's actually called we call it the Blossom Trail um, because all the stone fruit has uh, you know really pretty blooms um, uh, right before um, production. So yeah, you can follow the Blossom Trail and go to to different. Uh, farms and there's a ton of fruit stands out here and it's a great place to live during the summer i think <laughs> that's right here mike you joining us mike mike's online yes yes i'm here okay your question <laughs> <laughs> my question uh, pertains to the irrigation foundation um there was a mention about the faculty academy and the resources that the irrigation foundation can provide to uh, teachers, professors in the in, in, in the ag subject, and I was also knew that know that um, there's a job opportunities uh, section of the Irrigation Foundation website, and I'm thinking that maybe uh, asking the Irrigation Foundation for some help and getting that information out to the the community of ag uh, instructors might might be beneficial to try to facilitate the communication. Do you think is that is is, is there a general kind of uh, monsterboard.com kind of internet uh, service that focuses just on ag jobs? I. I... If, if you're asking me the question, I, I mean, there's several different. There's um, so there's a, a huge um, website called AgCareers.com. Oh. I believe that's uh-huh. actually kind of nationwide, and they even show jobs in Canada. And it doesn't have a ton of jobs from California, um, but there are some definitely from those kind of bigger um, places. So so that's a and but they are kind of a uh, for profit. You, uh, the 
Irrigation Foundation would have to pay to list the jobs there, and maybe they exactly. do. Or I, I'm exactly. not sure. In California, so. we have a, there is a, a a new website called um, or a kind of web service called Cal Ag Jobs, I believe, and and um, that's kind of something that's newer and kind of moving around, and a lot of the community colleges are are kind of relate um, connected to it. Um, but I, you know, it's it's still kind of gaining uh, momentum. I think uh, also kind of something that you have to to pay for to to um, provide information on jobs available. I, I mean, I, as part of my job, I um, I have, you know, we have a directory of instructors, and, and I send out, you know, different um, emails and, and things, newsletters um, every so often. And and actually, you know, um, Randy Delenikos, who I, I believe was also is also maybe a, a, a one-time President or, or VP of the California Ag Irrigation Association had would send me some um, some great materials that I would forward on to teachers. So so there's definitely an opportunity for me to kind of send out to instructors, you know, blasts on on job opportunities, um, I, and I don't mind doing that because we definitely want to help with you know getting the word out on on um, job openings that are out there. You bet. Well, hey, thank you, thank you for that perspective. Back to you, Iggy. Okay. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say thank you for the question, Mike. That might be an, a great connection, uh, the Irrigation Foundation with uh, Nancy's organization. So I think we're out of time, uh, Nancy. I certainly appreciate you coming on today and sharing your information, and hopefully your message uh, resonates with our listening audience, and uh, we can get the word out that there's great jobs in ag, and community colleges is a great way to get prepared for them. Definitely. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Thank you for your efforts. We appreciate it. All right, thanks. Well, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Show. Uh, you're listening to it on KCAA 1050 AM on your dial and 106.5 FM. And uh, just a little bit of quick news here. Uh, on August 12th, the County of San Bernardino and the Building Industry Association is having the San Bernardino Water Symposium. It's on August 12th at the Ontario Convention Center. Anybody who wants to hear what's going on and know about it, go to www.sbcwater.com. And now we'll turn it back over to Miss Inge Bisconer and Paul McFadden. It's all your show. Thank you, Rob. Uh, actually, our next guest um, is someone who probably has that meeting on their on her on her website. Uh, so we're we are moving from uh, an education topic and uh, creating you know uh, a population of uh, skilled workforce to now we're going to be talking about uh, a website and a woman who has created this incredible website um, for the working professionals um, in California's water world. So. I'd like to welcome Chris Austin, um, the founder and publisher of Maven's Notebook. Chris, are you here? Yes, I am. All right, Hi, thank thanks you. for having me on the show, Ingi. Oh, you're very welcome. And I know that you you look close to this darn fire that's going on, and I'm so glad that you've been able to, to join us and that you're okay. Um, yeah, I'm just, just bad air quality these days. But. I can imagine. I was flying uh, home from Sacramento late, late, late Friday night and actually viewed that fire uh, from the air, and uh, it was uh, looking looking pretty bad. So we're, we're glad that you're okay. So let me let our uh, listening audience know a little more about you and uh, uh, read your bio. Um, so as I said, Chris is the founder and publisher of the independent and reader-supported Maven's Notebook. It's a website and a blog which reaches thousands of regular readers and water leaders throughout the state. 
Um, she's based in Southern California in Santa Clarita, and Chris regularly travels throughout the state to cover conferences, meetings, and events, and has earned a stellar reputation among the state's ag, environmental, and water stakeholders for unbiased, complete, timely, and accurate reporting and news curation on the topic of water, which is one tall order. Uh, she was recognized in 2016 by online news agency Environmental and Energy Publishing as one of nine Californians who play key roles in water policy. And in 2015, her work was recognized with a scientific journalism award from the California Nevada chapter of the American Fisheries Society and a merit award from the California Water Policy Conference. One of her most prominent media projects, and I recommend everybody go to this website and take a look at this, uh, has been Understanding California's Bay Delta in 63 Photos. Um, featured as part of an expl uh, explanatory series by independent public television station KCET on the California Delta. So, Chris, um, you and I chatted last week, uh, really enjoyed our visit. Uh, you basically went from being a Hollywood sound producer to an award-winning water journalist. Tell us about your journey. Okay, well... I have to say, um, I, I think I'm blessed because, you know, I really learned early on in my life that it's possible to make big changes in my life if I just worked hard and acquired the knowledge that I needed and if I was just willing to take some risks. Because I started out in life after I finished my community college degree as a bookkeeper, and after about three years I was pretty bored with that. So, and there were other things going on at my time that just made me feel that I needed to make some changes. So, I kind of decided, uh, you know, I wanted to do something that would be fun and exciting, so I decided I wanted to go into music production. But I was living in Sacramento at the time, and I had to work two jobs for a year to pay off my bills so I could afford to go to school and not have to work a whole lot. So I did that, and I and when I finished my paying off my bills, I packed up everything I had left into my car, told my boss I was leaving. They thought I was nuts, um, and I landed in Southern California with five hundred dollars in my back pocket and a car full of stuff. And I uh, went the next day and got a job as a waitress, and I went to a vocational school in Hollywood called the Institute of Audio Video Engineering. I completed their program, and I was actually, you know, lucky I got employed in the studio uh, rather shortly after I finished my training, and I stayed at that studio for nine years. I worked from the, the bottom up. I started out as an assistant engineer, and um, I kind of grew into the position of operations and studio manager. Um, I... I thought in the beginning I would want to run the boards and mix the music, but I found operations, uh, the fast pace of running three-room studio, much more uh, to my liking. And I did that uh, for nine years, and, and um, I never looked back. I was just so proud of myself for taking the chances, and I was rewarded for it, I think. Um, but then I was in my mid-30s, and, you know, well, that's sort of the time. If you're a woman, if you're going to have kids, well, you know, kind of had to do that. So so I decided to to stop and have some kids, and I intended to go back, but that, that, never, that never really materialized for me. So I'm a former career woman sitting at home and needed to have something to do to get my brain going, so I started writing for a citizen journalism site back in 2007. Uh, blogs were just coming onto the, uh, coming out on the internet. They were sort of this like 
every man's way to create a quick website. And people were posting cat videos and what they were having for dinner. And and I just came up with this idea to take a blog and use it to uh, to aggregate California water news from all across the state. I started out um, with a focus on Southern California, and I expanded it eventually to be um, a, to cover the whole state. Um, and that was my first. That was my first project. I didn't really uh, write much for it. I just did aggregation. But I, I kind of had the vision that I wanted to create something that was bigger and more comprehensive. So that's when I started uh, Maven's Notebook. And um, I've been in operation at that website for about three or four years now. And, um, and it's been doing really well, um, I have to say. I'm so, very uh, happy. Chris, that's, a, that's an amazing story. This is Paul. Very inspiring. Uh, very inspiring indeed. And uh, I'm just curious, how did you come up with the name Maven's Notebook? That, uh, that, that, that just is, uh, it, uh, kind of got my interest uh, going a little bit. Well, you know, um, I it probably, you know, I, I was I was kind of in between websites, and I was really having a hard time trying to figure out what I was going to name the new website. So I just sort of came up with Maven's Notebook, and I just left it at that. I tried all these different ones, and I just couldn't come up with anything. But I wanted to have Maven in there because that was a name I had posted on at other websites, and that would just help identify me. Um, so I, you know, to be honest, um, I never intended it to take off and to be what it was, but that's what happened, and there it was, and so I'm kind of stuck with that name. <laughs> I toy with changing the name to something more straightforward, and maybe one of these days I will. I hold a couple names, uh, you know, domain names just in case, but I don't know. Everyone seems to like Maven's Notebook. It seems to be doing well. Uh, I uh, I had a chance this week to really uh, dig uh, dig through the uh, website and it is fantastic. Congratulations! It's one of the best I've seen. I'm well, just curious. You. You're welcome. You did well deserved. Um, there's so many different sources for information in the state. Uh, you know, uh, non-government, government, government uh, trade associations, uh, but you really seem to pull it all together. And I'm just curious. What makes you different than all these other sources, and how are you able to pull that all together so well? Well, I, you're right. There are a lot of different sources um, in, uh, on the Internet that you can get California water news. And there's a lot of people that do uh, news aggregation, kind of like I, I do, um, and they all kind of have their own personalities. And I have my own news aggregation. I'm still providing a, a large amount of um, of aggregated content. I just organize it differently. But what makes me unique is that, um, I think, is that I cover the meetings, the agency meetings that people, you know, probably should attend or watch the webcast but probably don't. Um, think, you know, these are things that are too granular for the Sacramento Bee to write about, you know, like how particular regulations are progressing through their development or, or how certain government or certain water programs are being implemented. Um, you know, I, I post on I, items like the statewide reservoir reoperation study that's underway and what the results are so far, or the latest on the water storage investment regs that the, which is a program that's going to disperse the 2.7 billion in water storage funds. So it's really 
not not really intended for the casual, you know, person that's going, yeah, I wonder what's up with this water stuff. You know, you probably don't want to land at my website because I'm kind of, uh, you know, a little, little more than, you know, get into the details a little more than that. Um, another thing that is unique about Maven's Notebook is that I have a strong science component because I really think that if we're going to solve our water issues, we're really going to need to bring science in to help the policymakers and the decision makers. So I, I see that as part of my mission to bring you know the best available science into the debate. And I re do receive a little bit of funding from the Delta Science Program to provide that coverage. So, you know, you'll see pre science presentations on sea level rise or delta smelt, habitat, habitat restoration or mercury mad management, you know, these things that are of interest to the decision makers and policy makers. Um, and today my big, uh, my big piece of content up was on the use and misuse of science in water management and decision making. So that was a very popular post today. And I also do breaking news, you know, if someone, if something like a snow survey or a state water board decision comes in, uh, I send out an email and post it right away. So that yeah, makes so it kind of fun. Yeah, on a recent blog, uh, two, you know, uh, California water leaders, Jay Lund and, and Ellen uh, Hennick, were singing your website praises and encouraging others to uh, step up and support it because you know, you cover events so well that that the leaders that you, you mentioned that should go to these events uh, are really uh, relying on your summaries in lieu of their attendance. Um, tell us about the process you go through to accurately capture just an immense amount of information and, and um, you know, complicated topics uh, even-handedly uh, w without taking sides. It's so easy to take you know, everybody's got their point of view and they're trying to push their agenda, and yet you've mastered the art of um, providing the, the information even-handedly. How do you do that? Well, for one thing, I'll have to tell you, I'm very wishy-washy. My husband is forever, like, frustrated with me because I, I don't make a lot of decisions, I guess. So in, in a way, I you know, one of the things that I that, – that is important to me here is that I'm not really, I'm more process-oriented, not outcome-oriented. So you know, the big controversial project these days is the Delta Tunnels. Um, you know, we build them, don't build them, I, I, I don't really care either way. I'm just enjoying watching the process of how we're making this decision. And so what I'm chasing is where this project is being discussed. Um, and so that, you know, I, I'm not trying to make it go either way. Um, but how I actually start is I actually start with a transcript. I, I do most of my own transcription, um, and, I, and I start with that, and I clean it up. There's a grammar fairy that, that works for me, and it makes everybody say everything in nice and proper English. Um, and I, I drop the slides in from the presentation, so what you're really seeing is the slide they were presenting and the words that, you know, a lot of the actual words that they were saying um, while they were talking about, you know, giving their presentation. And, you know, I'm not trying to be brief. I'm actually trying to be complete because the main principle that I have behind the website is that busy people don't have time to attend meetings or watch webcasts, and they can read it much faster. So I try to provide coverage that's as good as being there. 
But it's also, I think, even better because not only can you read a meeting faster, but now you have written notes. And nowadays, I'll tell you, when I sit in meetings, a lot of people have their face in their phones. So I think you get more out of it when you read it. You can pay more attention to it. Uh, and also, I think my these summaries are now reaching people who never would have thought to go to that meeting or you know or watch that webcast. So it's I think it's even extending out to further to people uh, you know that wouldn't have no, seen it otherwise. But you well, know, my audience are more the water wonks. They're deeply engaged in the process. So you know, it's um, so I won't tell you how many gallons are in an acre foot, or tell you what the Delta tunnels or the California water fixes. I I expect my readers to know that. Um, you know, and I don't really write commentary, and I don't really do a lot of analysis. But I do add. Um, things for context, so you know, explanatory things. But for the most part, it's pretty much, you know, here's the room I was in, here's who was talking, here's what they said, and you know, it and that type of coverage, especially on controversial subjects, really seems to work. It seems to work for people on all sides. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's that's an interesting concept. Uh, read a meeting to be able to read a meeting. Uh, it must be invaluable in uh, the day and age that we are in, and the importance of water and how complicated and contentious it is in the state today. So, yeah. Well, we but, also had a, a time period that we went through before I came on the scene where people sort of, I think. Um, thought that people said things in meetings, and there was a lot of people getting mad at, you know, agency officials or whoever for what they thought was in, what they thought they said or what they thought was in that document. So I've tried to provide people with, you know, the actual words. Um, I think, you know, people, agency officials, you know, we're still going to fight about water, there's no, you know, I don't ever see that changing. But at least if we're fighting with facts, you know, agency officials will still get yelled at by, you know, people who are mad at them. But at least now they'll get yelled at for the words they actually said, right? Not what someone thought they said. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's an improvement. Absolutely. Chris, I'm just uh, in the few minutes or the minute we have left, what can California water professionals and people that are interested in in uh, our situation, what can we do to help uh, Maven's Notebook? Oh, I'm always happy to take reader donations. <laughs> I, I am mostly reader-supported. I do have some funding from agencies, but, um, but I do look to my readers to support me. They've done a great job of doing it for the last, you know, for the last four or five years, so I, I appreciate them, every one of them. Well, I hope that our listening audience uh, steps up. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, we all are dependent on water, and we don't have enough of it, and it's a huge management challenge in, in the state today. And there's been a lot of hardship because there's, um, uh, well, there, there's been fouled acres in in uh, California, and uh, urbanites have stepped up and reduced water use by 25 percent. So. Um, very important issue, and uh, we thank you for the service you have provided in keeping people informed on the facts rather than uh, just kind of the uh, uh, some of the other emotional uh, aspects of the, of the discussion. Some of the misinformation that gets uh, gets thrown around, and I, I don't I don't think we have time for you to talk about your special projects, but the readers should be aware that there's parts of your website that go into. Uh, the special projects like the Imperial Valley, and I think I did mention the Delta photo tour 
um, fantastic information. If you're not, even if you're not a water wonk, uh, it's just, hey, this is basic information that all Californians should probably have a good understanding of uh, just to know where your water comes from. Absolutely. So we, uh, we thank you for joining the show. Um, keep up the good work. And uh, folks out there, visit that website, uh, mavensnotebook.com. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, if you're able to, uh, help contribute to it and keep, uh, keep Chris working. So uh, thank you again, Chris, and we'll be in touch. I had one okay, question, Iggy, if I, before, yeah, well, Chris, before you hang up. Yeah. Uh, I, I just have a few more minutes left, but I was curious. I know you, we didn't really touch on what inspired you to tackle the special projects such as Imperial Valley and Delta Photo Tours. Can you just give a little brief on, on, the, on the Delta Photo Tours, what you did for PBS? Oh, the the Delta, yeah, the Delta photo tour. You know, I put that together because I traveled around the Delta um, a lot, and I've taken a lot of pictures, and DWR had a lot of photos that were elevated above the Delta. So I built that as kind of an explainer just to show people what the Delta looks like because it, it, the Delta is such a varied landscape. It's hard to understand what it is just in words. You really need to to see it and you know by pictures is really actually the best way because you can take a look at it from up above and you can you know see what it looks like on the ground and you can kind of get an idea of it because it's hard to wrap your mind around it if, unless you can actually see it yeah and i think uh chris you shared with me that uh, on your family vacations you might be uh detracted and uh distracted a bit uh maybe to the uh um, irritation of your husband and kids, but you're off taking pictures of the California aqueduct or some water project while you're on vacation in the desert. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, my, my family is well used to that. I stop for aqueducts, or, you know, or, or, or I take these wacky detours. Oh, we're going to go over here because I think there's something over here I want to see. My kids grew up on the aqueduct and, and in farm fields, and they were about, it wasn't until they got to elementary school they came home and said, Mom, you know, these people aren't going to aqueducts and farm fields. They go to Disneyland. Oh, do they? No, farm fields and aqueducts, much better. But, you know, by then, the cat's out of the bag. They didn't believe me. Chris, what do you, what do you see as one of the biggest water issues in California? Oh, whether or not we're going to build the tunnels, I think right now that's the big question. Um, I mean, that doesn't affect everybody, but it's the it's the big hot argument with the hearings going on at the state water board right now. Um, do you think it's in the, that, Do you think it's in the top three issues that the state has? Well, okay, if we would say the top three, that would be the Delta tunnels, implementing the new groundwater management. Mm-hmm. I think, and just. Um, you know, water supply and water reliability for the people that don't have it. I think that's that's what I would name the big three. Do you see any, do you vision any success in those areas? And do you see them doing one tunnel, two tunnels, or putting well, the money towards something else? I, I think, well, we're going to come to a decision point on the tunnels, and uh, they're either going to build them or not build them, but it, it, but neither path is going to be easy. If they choose to build them, then the, the opponents will you know, let the litigation begin. And if they choose not to build them, it isn't like the state's going to go away. I mean, we still have a crisis in the Delta. We still have to fix the Delta now. We just won't have a plan, so now we will have to go back and all the hand-wringing will begin. 
So there's no easy path ahead on the tunnels. There, it's either going to happen or, you know, or not, and, and the discussion's going to change. Not the work. <laughs> no, understand. I think um, the groundwater management, I think, we're hopefully that's going to work out well. The agencies, you know, local agencies are coming together, and people are really working to figure this out. Um, it's going to be hard, but I have a lot of hope that we're going to be able to make some strides in groundwater management. Great. Well, and I, well, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're getting cut off. This is going to be the end of our show here. Got to go into the uh, NBC News Hour. So we do appreciate you coming on. And, and Ingie, thank you very much.